Today, I have the pleasure of sitting down with J.D. Hedema, lead pastor and church planner of Echo Church in Chino. Echo was planted as a result of our To the End of the Earth campaign efforts and has grown steadily since the fall of 2019. J.D. is a great preacher and thinker, and I can't wait for you to hear what God is doing through his new church plant. Always good to hear from old friends. Let's do it. Welcome to Footnotes, a behind-the-scenes look at what we value and why it matters here at Whittle Church in Glendora, California. My name is Stephen Coppenrath. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and I am your host. Well, uh, welcome. Glad to have you here, man. Thanks. Good um, to be here. Dude, whenever I see you, I I can't shake our introduction story from our head, by the way, my head. Uh, um, Wait, which introduction story? So the one the, that you remember or the one that you the, don't The one remember? that I don't remember. Okay. So the one that you remember <laughs> that I do not remember. So uh, just real quick. You and I were youth pastors at the time. Yeah. You want to take it from here, actually? Yeah. Okay. So so I wanted to hang out with, you know, one of the fellow youth pastors in right. my city. Yeah. I was trying to reach out and get to know other the churches in the area. Yeah, yeah, very nice. Yeah. So so I called up Foothill Church. It was kind of a, it was a church that I didn't really know much about, mm-hmm. but they were kind of up and coming. And so I, I wanted to reach out to that youth pastor. And so I get together with this guy, Stephen Coppenrath, and we go down to a taco place. I think it was Nazo Taco in Azusa. Right. And we hang out. We have a, we have a wonderful time. We're it talking was, it about... It was a delight. Yeah, it was, oh, we're talking about <laughs> youth ministry. We're talking about kids. Yeah. We're comparing notes. And, you know, years later, I come to to Foothill Church, and I, I am interviewing with Stephen. I say, hey, you remember that time, Stephen, when we went and hung out and got tacos? <laughs> and I say crickets <laughs> nope i don't remember that at all nothing i literally forgot that whole experience <laughs> and i'm still offended to this day so i'm glad i, I, I stuck hold, with you. i hold that deeply against you uh, i i think that it's uh, a great way to uh remember our relationship it kind of it commemorates it in lots of ways so um well speaking of remembering jd hedema um there there's perhaps a group of people at foothill uh, f- who for them, the last distinct memory they have of you is our sending service in the fall of 2019. Awesome. Um, yeah, it was. And it seems like a million years ago in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to, to kind of fill out some of the gaps uh, a bit and get a, get a bit of an update. So um, some people don't know you. Let's just get some of the basics. Tell us about your, your family a little bit, wife and kids and, and all that. I'm married to Lauren. Uh, we've been married for 11 years. We have Audrey, who's five, Owen, who's three, Pierce, who's one, and then we have a little girl on the way. Wow. So our kids will be spaced almost two years apart. Wow. So, yeah, that's, so that's we're, awesome. we're heading towards four. That's great. Yeah, four kids. Uh, as you know, I have four as well. They're a handful, but it's also, I feel like four actually it gets easier in some ways. So hopefully that's so. the case for you. Yeah. Three has been in, enough yeah. as far as our energy level. And so sure. the Lord's going to have to sustain us for four. So who's your favorite kid? <laughs> <laughs> I can't say that. Okay. I, I, I just can't. You can't do it. Okay. <laughs> oh, you just tell me off the air. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, man, hey, one of the things that I've always appreciated about your story is just the diversity in your life experiences, your leadership experiences. You've uh, really done a lot of different things. And uh, just to sum it up a bit for those listening, uh, JD was a youth pastor locally here in Glendora. Um, that's back to the years where I do not remember that that lunch. But <laughs> um, followed by a few years serving as a police officer in Santa Barbara and then off to seminary in Minneapolis. And then he joined us on staff at Foothill Church for about three years. Is that sound about right? I think it was more like two about and a little bit. Two and a little bit. Yeah. Okay. And now he's the lead pastor. He's the planning pastor at Echo Church. Um 
and as of the fall, right? And so um, you think that you were like 50 years old with all those stories, with all those career careers. It's pretty amazing. He's not, by the way. Uh, but here's kind of just a question to kick us off. What's unique in this season for you? Like, what is what is God doing in your life? How's God growing you and your leadership in this stage of your career and, and your life? Well, I think we're in a we're in a unique phase, obviously, in our world, yeah. and we'll maybe talk about that as we go on. But um, you know, we we obviously have things going on in our world around us that are making things unique as far as from church planting for sure uh, perspective. Yeah. There's things in our family that are unique. Uh, Lauren being pregnant with our fourth has been definitely a unique season. Mm. Um, my wife's pregnancies are just very difficult. Mm. They're just there's just you know, her, her body goes through extra nausea, I think than most women get, yeah. and then just, just extra pains and difficulties there. Uh, and then there was the shock of, of, of the fourth kid that's, <laughs> that alone was like, where are we going to have, right. where are the reserves of our energy yeah. to be able to actually do this well or right. reasonably well? Right. Uh, and then there's the fact that, you know, we my wife and I joke that a church plan is like having twins. So we mm. feel like we've got We've got the church plant, and we're still on our first year of that. Mm-hmm. We've got the the, the uh, fourth kid. Lauren's yeah. pregnancy stuff has been a challenge, and then and then honestly, our nation and our world, yeah. and all of those things have kind of left me with a with a sense of um, inadequacy, to mm-hmm. be honest with you, and then uh, also just a sense of Lord come quickly, yeah, because you know I mean. As we're talking right now, Stephen, and you know, I'm I'm looking out the window. There is like this ash cloud yeah, over crazy. our over our heads, yeah. and it's it is snowing ash on us as we speak. Yeah. I mean, so if if that doesn't sort of evoke these thoughts of Lord, what is going on right. in our world? Yeah. I I don't know what does, and so I think it's causing me to really kind of be pulled loose from some of the ways in which I've. I've settled here mm. and this is my mm. home here mm. and reminded me that this isn't where right. we're supposed to settle and we have a job to do here. Lord sustain us while we're here. Mm. But I, 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 I look at scripture and I see where the saints are crying, Maranatha, Lord come quickly. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I think I get it. Yeah. I think I'm starting to get that. Yeah. That's, that's well said. And I think that that sense of being not kind of settled can be so disorienting. And it's so amazing that as Christians, we have the hope to take us to another place as far exactly. as realizing that, because so much of the world is left with that ash cloud of just like, what now? Or how do I, how do I kind of move on from here? And right. um, that's so good to hear just, uh, just even personally from, from you and, and how the Lord is working in your life. And one thing I'll say is that I, I think more and more people are, are looking at the world around them mm-hmm. and it's causing them to really think. Yeah. And I'm having conversations now with people that I've I've made almost no inroads with the gospel mm. to. They just don't even want to have the conversation. Mm. And now all of a sudden they're asking yeah. me. So we're seeing that happen. We're yeah. seeing people in the world go, what is going on? And all of a sudden they're fearful. Yeah. They're afraid of what's going on. And then they're, they're, they're asking, how can I, wh- what hope do I have? And they're asking Christians around them. That's amazing. Well, um, uh, church planning kind of, as you, as you mentioned that other twin a little bit is, is crazy in all kinds of ways. And I, I really think about what you have been up to the last year and it's, it's kind of a battle, right? I mean, it's in, in the, the realm of spiritual warfare, it's definitely kind of this aggressive move for the offense. Right. And, 
And one of the things that I want people at Foothill Church to hear, and, and maybe people at Echo Church, if they listen to this as well, to understand as Christians is, is that we are all called to be a part of that, that kind of battle. And we're all called to make disciples. So the Great Commission, uh, Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And this this is not just an apostolic directive, right? It's not just for pastors or for Peter or for the guys who are kind of, uh, you know, however you want to think about that. It's for all Christians that we're all sent to have those conversations you're talking about. It's like, hey, what is going on in this world? And how do I give them a, a reason for the hope that I have? That's right. And so for you and I, that being sent has kind of resulted in us being in vocational full-time ministry. Um, But what would you say to someone in your church who is trying to determine what it means for them in their life to to kind of live out the Great Commission, to, you know, to to live out what it means to be sent? Do they have to be a pastor? Do they have to plan a church? What does that look like for them? Yeah, well, when I think Matthew 28, which is what you're listing, you know, you're talking about the Great Commission in Matthew 28, I I, I don't think we want to... I think what I, what I want to do in my mind is then go from Matthew 28 to Ephesians 4, mm. where, okay, as I see my role, yeah. you know, and one of the roles I have, you know, so I'm, I'm called a pastor. Our church voted me in as a pastor. And there in Ephesians 4 is, 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 is Jesus gifting the church with pastors. And then what's really important to me is what then follows is that for the equipping of the saints mm-hmm. for the work of the ministry. Right. So, so yes, there were a bunch of, you know, I don't know, I imagine there were maybe 12 guys or 11 guys maybe there that Jesus was talking to in Matthew 28, who eventually became sort of the leaders of the church uh, at that point. So in some sense, Matthew 28, he's talking to leaders, but he's saying, go and make disciples, which assumes this chain of discipleship that's working its way, perhaps from those leaders initially, uh, but then through to other leaders who then disciple others who disciple others. And, right. and I mean, I think we see that in, is it first Timothy two, two and teaches things to faithful men who will then in turn teach them to mm-hmm. others. So we see this chain of discipleships happening. So I think for me, uh, what I would want, you know, Christians to know that are not in vocational ministry mm-hmm. is, is that first of all, it's the job of pastors to disciple their, their churches. I, I, yeah. I, I definitely think that's the case. And of course that comes through preaching sermons, but it's so much more, right? Mm-hmm. It's life on life. It's getting together with people. It's, it's helping them, walking them through the word together. And then it's saying, go and do this with somebody else. Speaking of your church, just thinking about Echo in this season, one of the things that can and should weigh heavily on pastors is the responsibility of leading people through hard things. And um, I mean, you know, obviously we as Christians are just trying to work out our own stuff spiritually, just grow and be more sanctified and all those things. But we're also, as pastors, called to lead people through that process. You mentioned Ephesians 4, equipping the saints for the work of ministry. So as a new church, a year old or so, uh, you guys coming up on a, a year or In so, October. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's very soon. What's been the most challenging thing about this season of COVID-19, global pandemic, uh, for your congregation? Uh, most challenging thing? And then maybe what's been the biggest blessing as well? Obviously a church plant, uh, what you're trying to do is you're trying to build momentum. Yeah. Yep. You're trying to build a culture. You need to actually be together to do those things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's really yeah. hard to right. build momentum online. Um, and so we've experienced the same thing. I think uh, many, many other churches mm-hmm. have, which is that we're, we, 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 we had to either put those things on pause or, um, you know, we just, we just felt like those things weren't happening the way we would have hoped going into this, yeah. you know, this first year. Yeah. 
So that's a challenge. And it's true. Like a lot of churches have experienced the same thing, but specifically, I think as a church plant, you see that through a different lens. That's um, felt in a lot in a lot more kind of strong ways. And um, so that's been challenging for sure. What's what's something that maybe you've kind of found some joy in, or just even a blessing in the midst of that? Yeah, that's that's the thing that it was surprising, most surprising to me, and maybe would be most worth sharing. So if you think about it, you're a you're a church plant. You've got people that are tentatively with you, mm. and you're not quite sure who's my core team, who are my most committed people, and who are the people that are sort of here because this is a cool new hip thing. Right. And then COVID hits. Right. And you're quarantined, and you you may have high numbers of people watching, but what does that mean? Right. What does a number yeah. on YouTube of somebody who's logging in actually mean when it comes to your job to care for them? Absolutely. And the blessing for us has been at the very beginning of church planting, we pushed membership hard. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and we, we, we worked out our documentation and we got things in, uh, in, in line so that basically to join echo church is to make a deep commitment. Right. And we called people to that. And it's actually at times it's even cost us. Mm-hmm. So calling people to that has cost us because other people got, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not quite on board with all mm-hmm. of this. And they ended up going to different churches. And at the time that was painful, but the payoff for it has been, now emerging, at least I think we're emerging, on the other side of this quarantine, right. uh, having grown 12 members throughout, we've, we, we went from 40 to 52 throughout this, wow. this, this quarantine. Uh, so we're currently sitting at 52 members and we were able to grow through the quarantine. And, and I just asked myself, well, well, why is that? And it's, mm. it's, it's, it's a complete grace of God that that happened. But here's what's been nice for me. I know who our people are mm-hmm. and I know who has made a commitment and, and they know who their church is. So there's not been this thing where a bunch of people have gone, well, you know, I'm just going to go and head over to another church so- somewhere else. There's yeah. been a sense of ownership from our people. Um, there's been a sense of me knowing, okay, these are the people we're responsible to care for through this time. And, and then, you know, we get to talk about giving too. Mm-hmm. giving yeah. continued to maintain throughout that period. Right. And I've consistently gone back to our members, just gone, you guys are such a huge blessing because mm-hmm. we did not see that dip in giving. We did not see that dip in people that were with us throughout right. this whole thing. And I think part of it has to do with just calling people to a high commitment to the mm-hmm. church at the very beginning. Yeah. So we deepened the core team as much as we possibly could. And that's what we're seeing now emerging out the other side. That's amazing, man. I mean, that, that's healthy for so many reasons. I mean, you listed a, a bunch of them to start with, but just knowing who your people are, the the, the security of relationships, even just laterally for, with people. I'm just like, who are my friends? Who kind of, who's a part of my tribe in the season? Um, but that's that's so good to hear that that decision early on has, has really just produced fruit in so many ways. It has. Um, just, just thinking about even folks who are maybe considering planting, um, down the road. And I know that, you know, like you said, the world is un, unknown in many ways. It's kind of, you're not sure what plans are moving forward, but for folks who are, who are maybe feeling called to vocational ministry, um, how would you encourage maybe a church planner who maybe sees themselves as, as doing what you've done in the last year, maybe them doing that in the next few years? What would you encourage them towards? I talk to a lot of guys that are uh, wanting to move this direction and there seems to be a commonality that I see in a lot of them and that's that they, they all feel that seminary has got to be that first step. Mm. And I actually try to dissuade people from that. Mm. Um, I, I 
I think that, and, and not to dissuade them from seminary period, just that that not be the first thing that comes up in somebody's head when they yeah. think, because, you know, seminary will give you the degree and you're, you're usually in debt and, and you, <laughs> yeah. you, you come, you come out of there and it's like, but, but really what I think a lot of people are experiencing when they say, gotta go to seminary is they see the preaching aspect. Right. They see, that's the, right. that's the most visible aspect of a, of anybody, whether it's a, a pastor who's been a lead pastor of a church for a long time or a church planter, mm. they see, oh, it, it's the preaching. That's I got to go get the training for the preaching. Right. And I don't deny that at all. But I think that what has been so clear to me in this past year is that a, a pastor is more than a preacher. A mm. pastor is, I mean, what is the, what does the word even mean in the Bible? The pastor is a shepherd. Mm. He's shepherding a group of people. Right. And if you love the preaching, that's great. That's a form of shepherding. But if you aren't shepherding, if you're not in love with the shepherding process mm -hmm. of the, you know, and what do I mean by that? I mean that the, the discipleship process of taking, you know, a, a group of leaders through and, and helping them to grow so that you're multiplying yourself and you're not the only person doing mm -hmm. the, the work of the ministry. Going back to Ephesians four, right. if you don't love the counseling aspect of you're going to have hurting sheep, coming to your, 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 your church plant. And, and it seems that church plants are unique in that they seem mm -hmm. to, they seem to draw people that where maybe other churches have, have been big or have not, have not necessarily been, been able to, to care for them in the same right. exact way. And so church plants tend to get right. a certain number of those people. And, it, it, it isn't okay for a pastor of a church plant to say, well, you know, I, I just want to be about this preaching thing mm -hmm. and I don't really want to actually shepherd the people that are here. That's good. Yeah. And so what I tell somebody who's really interested in this, is I say, look, you've, first of all, you've got to be an elder in order to be a pastor. Mm -hmm. Eldering and pastoring are the same thing. So go pursue that in the church that you're at. And then one of the things you've got to have is you've got to have some kind of somebody in your life that's saying, yes, you can do this. People are actually helped when you stand up in the pulpit and you, and you talk to people. And, and since we see these things now, the shepherding and the preaching, we now think it's a good idea for you to go get that training. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and, and so I just, I, I just want to move that to the second or third step rather than the first step. And I think a lot of people have it as the first step. Yeah. Got to go get the degree. Yeah but, but hold off because I think you need somebody to kind of sign off on yeah. you before you go get into 80,000, a hundred thousand dollars right. in debt. That's really wise. And that's, that's, that's good, good advice for those considering ministry. And what I so appreciate even JD, just about our relationship as a church, just personally is the proximity of having a guy like you who's done it and the, on the kind of the front lines of ministry and having uh, the ability to reach out and kind of even point people to, to you as a resource. So Fiddle Church, if you want to know more about how to support church planners like JD, Go to foothill.church slash send. You can pray, you can give using our virtual wall. And if you are looking for a Bible-centered, gospel-preaching church in Chino, please consider checking out Echo Church. They meet on Sundays at 9 a.m. Well, just as we wrap this up, I just want to um, just ask you a few questions. What's a, what's a book that maybe has been impactful or helpful to you lately in your life? You know, I, I'm going to answer a little differently than I normally would. Um, you know, I'm so I've been... I've been, of course, reading theology, and and we've I've read a couple of books lately um, that have been helpful on that front. But actually, I've been into history hmm. lately, yeah. And just as far as just general leadership, um, just finished a biography of Harry Truman. Oh, cool! Uh, really amazing president of our of our uh, nation. Um, 
not sure not sure if he was a believer not sure exactly to what extent his you know he he had faith in christ sure um but as far as just learning general leadership uh principles and practices that the truman biography is really really good i i don't have it offhand the exact one that it is maybe we could put it in the notes yeah i'll grab it from you um but uh really enjoyed just just kind of the man that he was and um and and leading the nation through a time that I think helps for thinking about things now and where and where we currently are. Yeah. Well, um, hey, I, I appreciate your uh, your time, man. And it's just even good to hear uh, what what's happening in your church and how the Lord has grown you personally and your family. And so we'll be praying for for you and Lauren as you guys get ready to have number four. Um, but just really appreciate your time today. Yeah, thank you. Good to be here. All right, well, we're out of time, but thanks for joining us for our podcast footnotes. Be sure to subscribe, and we'd also appreciate you sharing this resource with others and even leaving us a favorable review if you feel so inclined. So until next time, Foothill, peace be with you. Crickets. (laughs) Nope, I don't remember that at all. Nothing.